Praise the Lord. This is, I believe, the last message for this series that we're doing at this time. So I want to begin in Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and uh, we'll, uh, I believe, wrap this up today. Brother Hagin used to say, um, you pick up something from people you around them enough, and so we travel with him for a little while, and he used to say, my sermons are like a freight train. You know, I just unhook the caboose and then hook it back up when I come back. And so uh, you could really go till Jesus comes on this and even beyond that. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to read that in uh, several translations. Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, or the title deed. I'm actually just going to skip through these and read what it says faith is. So faith is what? The substance. Faith is what? The assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Uh, faith is the conviction. Faith is the reality of what we hope for. I really like that. That's Christian standard. Christian standard Bible, CSB. Faith is the reality of what we have hope for. So this, this is a definition of what faith is. Somebody said, what is faith? Well, this is what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you ever have um, hopes and dreams about something? You know, I think I've said this in uh, several of the other messages, or a few of them at least. You know, uh, you hope for healing, or you hope for provision, or you hope to live in a right way, or you hope uh, to be a man or a woman of godly character, or you hope for a better home, or you hope for children, or you hope for uh, a new job, or you hope for a certain position, or, you know, you hope for understanding, or you hope for revelation knowledge, or you hope for a good friend, or you hope for a husband or a wife. You hope for physical strength. Right? So there's uh, lots, of, lots of things that are hope. What happens, um, what sometimes happens is we are hoping for something from God which is the first step to believing and receiving something. So never throw out your hope. If you throw out your hope, how are you going to act in faith? Because now faith is the substance of the things that you hope for. So you can't throw out hope. Hope is not an evil word. Hope is a beautiful word. Hope is wonderful. But sometimes what happens is, we substitute hope for faith. And so we think, or we convince ourselves sometimes, or we just don't look closely enough at it, we think that we are what we would say in faith about something, or we're believing God in a certain arena of our life. Uh, but really, we don't have any substance there. All we have is hope. And, but we think we have faith, but we actually just have hope. Well, how do we know that? Well, you got to find out what faith is. Well, faith is the substance of what you hope for. And CSB right here says, faith is the reality of what you hope for. Or you could say it's the realization of the thing that you hope for. And so hope is wonderful, but we don't want to stop at hope because if it's just hope, it'll never happen. In other words, it's just off in the future. It's just like, wouldn't that be wonderful? You ever think about that? How about you could use faith to just obliterate a life of anxiety and worry? Imagine what it would be like, no matter what happened to you or to anybody around you or anywhere in the world, that it didn't overwhelm you and it didn't stress you out. Well, that's where we're all supposed to live. And if you're not living there, I guarantee you're not in faith. 
Now, what generally happens is you kind of get like something catches you by surprise and before you realize it, you know, it's like walking on a, being from the Midwest, it snows a lot there and sometimes you, you hit a patch of ice, you don't know you hit the ice, you know, and uh, man, <laughs> I was born in 1975, so probably from about, I don't know, 1978 to maybe 81, 82. I don't even know what years it was, my parents could tell you, but before I was in kindergarten, so maybe 78 just to 80, uh, we had a breezeway and the water would drip down from icicles because we didn't have gutters and it, it was a, like a, the breezeway had a, it was a concrete or something like that between the garage and the house. <laughs> so it would form these, it would drop and it would ice in the winter. And so I would fall and I kept going to the emergency room and get stitches. He has, I have scars like here and here and here, like a lot of things. So many that the doctors were like investigating to see if my dad was abusing because <laughs> I, I kept getting stitches. Well, sometimes situations happen and come into your life and all of a sudden your feet are where your head was just a second ago. And your head, in my case, is where my feet should have been. And so it split, you know, because it's not designed to walk on. Uh, but sometimes you have situations in life like that. Well, you know, all of us have things where we're tempted to worry and tempted to be anxious. But just because you have the temptation, all of a sudden all these thoughts rush at you like, oh, what is going to happen? How is this going to work? You don't have to yield to that. You don't have to give that a place. So, like, you can have... Depending on the neighborhood you live, it might be illegal, but if it's not, you can have people coming to your door to try to sell you all kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean that you have to invite them into your house. But some people, people come to their door and they feel guilty like, I, I need to invite you into my house. No, you don't. And if you do that in one area of your life, you probably do it spiritually. To me, it's a little bit of a fallacy to think that in my spiritual life I act one way and in my natural life I act a different way. No, it's, it's pretty much consistent. Your lifestyle is pretty consistent uh, across the board. The only thing that can actually kind of break you out of that, uh, what do you call it, um, in a significant way, is the Word of God. Because the Word of God will change you. But then when it breaks you out of that, it's not just going to break you out spiritually. It's going to break you out in your physical health, like your exercise, your, 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 your eating, you know, just some natural things. It's going to break you out in your work habits. It's going to break you out in many areas. And um, so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I wrote here, what is it called when you believe what God has said? You don't have to answer that out loud. Just think about it. How will I know when I'm believing? There is substance there. How will I know I have it? There is substance there. With hope, there is no substance. With faith, there's substance. How do you, how do you get faith? Well, faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God or the rhema of God. Rhema of God is just the word of God that becomes real to you. God makes it real to you. Uh, so in order for you to have faith, uh, it has to come from God. But how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is not something that you go and get per se. It's something that comes. But yeah, if you keep hearing the word, open your heart to the word, the Lord's going to honor his word and faith's going to come. But you understand, it's not like when I say it's something you go get, well, I'm just going to go down to food line and buy some faith. It's not something I go get like that. Faith is something that comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. 
So what happens is a lot of people try to get faith every other way besides how God says it comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes how? By hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So that's a pretty good thing because all you have to do is hear. Uh, but a lot of times you're, you're hearing just with your natural mind, but you don't really hear with your heart. So that's why, you know, at the end of a message, sometimes I encourage people, you know, if, if, if uh, I have to forgive Justin for something like that, he did something to me or he has, uh, I did something to him, so he has to forgive me. The only way that we're actually going to wipe that out and have nothing between us is if we make a heart decision. We don't have anything between us, except for like three feet, four feet, space. <laughs> but it's a heart decision. So Jesus, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so really one of the greatest ways to hear is to get hungry. Is anybody hungry? One of my favorite meals is a T-bone steak. And I don't like any of the special steak seasoning on it. I like just salt and pepper. And you'd be surprised at the amount of salt I put on there. But if you eat my steak, I think you would like it. All right? I learned it from my dad, and it's just wonderful. But I like because, you know, if you like meat, you might understand this because it comes with the bone in it. And the closer you get to that bone, it's like you can draw all this flavor out, right? And it's really good. And so we would do it on a Weber grill and smoke it. And he would take a little bit of a, I call it a, we had a cherry tree. So he'd take cherry sticks and break them up in there so the smoke would get just a hint of a cherry flavor. And you smoke that and you just basically seal it and you leave it pretty red inside, juicy, and uh, you eat that. Does that make you hungry at all? <laughs> I like desserts. So sometimes, you know, you can make like a really good dessert. Well, the thing is, if you talk about food, you're going to arouse a hunger. Like you might not even be thinking about steak or food. You know, I, I, I always get in trouble with my wife when I mention food in the message. Especially meat. And so she's so like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Because I'm trying to do an illustration. So you can do the same thing spiritually. So you look in the word and you find out, well, look at this is available. You start to get hungry for that. You're like, wait a second. You know, God is a good God. And he has good plans. He said, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened, ask and you will receive. And so the way to receiving from God and faith in God is through hearing the word of God. It comes by hearing, but not just hearing anything, not just hearing what the news says, not just hearing what your friends say, not just hearing what uh, I say or somebody else says, it comes by hearing what God has to say. So you, you remember, it said that the, they received, which was, it, I don't remember which guys it was, but there in the New Testament it says that they received the word of God as it really is in truth, the very words of God. They received their testimony that way. And it actually benefited them. Because when anybody's speaking, you could say like, you know, for me, it would be like Brother Hagen because just such a blessing in my life and uh, taught me the word like I'd never been taught it before. But if I just have faith in what Brother Hagen said, God doesn't honor what Brother Hagen said. Even if Brother Hagen quoted Mark eleven twenty three and 24 exactly under my ears like 2,000 times, which he probably did. That doesn't make that verse work for me. When he quotes it or anybody else quotes it, 
You have to receive it as it really is, the words of Christ, the words of God. There's no faith in believing what somebody else said. Unless you believe what they said is just a repeat or an echo of what the Word says. You're like, oh, they're preaching the Word. They're teaching the Word. That's what God said. So all the time people say, you know, well, you said this. Well, technically I didn't say that. I repeated it. I didn't come up with it. I, I, I echoed it. Right, Cindy? So that's what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So no other way. Faith comes by hearing. And you can hear. Jesus said, my sheep know me. They know my voice. It's been given to every man the measure of faith. But faith comes by hearing. You can't even be born again if you don't hear about the gospel. So faith comes by hearing. Uh, what is believing? It's not a thought about God. It's not a feeling about God. Thoughts about God, feelings about God, those are external to the real you. Oh, it's so quiet in here. Believing is not external, it's internal. It's actually something that's beyond natural reasoning. And until you go beyond your natural reasoning, you won't be believing. Pastor Mark said to me, we were in the Philippines several years ago, and we were just kind of walking around. He just likes, he's very extroverted, so any place there's a bunch of people, he just likes to go. So we went to the mall. We are walking through the mall, all these people, but we're talking the word while we're walking through the mall. And he said, you know, many people don't have faith any further than reason will allow. In other words, if it makes sense to my reasoning ability, then I will believe it. Well, Thomas was like probably one step behind that even. He's like, I will not believe if I can't see and I can't feel. But Jesus said, Thomas was not blessed. He said, blessed are they that have not seen yet do believe. He said, he was actually pretty bold about it. He said, I will not believe unless I feel. Well, sometimes the Lord is, well, the Lord is always gracious. Uh, sometimes that will happen. He got to, you know, actually he kind of got rebuked because he showed him. He said, thrust your hand into my side. He said, no, 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 I don't need to do it. He's like, oh, no, you said it. <laughs> Look, it's according to what you said again. If we could just control our mouth. It's like we control the whole direction of our life. Like a rudder on a ship. Or a bit in the mouth of a horse. But he said, that's set on fire of hell. Whoa, what's that mean? That means hell sometimes gets in your mouth. It tries to control what you're saying. Every other member men have learned to tame, but this one, the Bible says, never learn to tame it. Anybody can tame this. That's like a mature man, mature human. <clears throat> Reasoning is part of my being. Feeling and information from the senses are part of my being. There are things that I carry with me, but this, faith, uh, this is not external. This is deep within me. This is a part of me. It has roots inside of me. This is internal. This is part of my core being. This is where faith is at. If I tell you something, do you believe me? How do you believe me? Based on what do you believe me? For instance, if I said... Uh, Let's meet at the Lincoln Memorial tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Do you believe what I'm saying? How do you believe it? Well, you have to believe that I know where the Lincoln Memorial is. You have to believe that I have transportation to get to the Lincoln Memorial. You have to believe that I know how to tell time. 
And you have to believe that I will look at the time and leave at the appropriate time to get there on time. So if I say that and we make that agreement, you probably believe as much as I have the power to show up or be there by 10 or show up at 10 at the Lincoln Memorial that I will do that. But you know, there could be a, a like a, who this morning? There could be a big accident on the way to church and you're like majorly delayed. So I might not show up on time. Why? Because I am not God. I'm fallible. And I can't just go over traffic. So, Evie, you're so grown up now. There's no little kids in here. So I won't have you come up. I'll just pretend like you're up here. <laughs> what does it mean to have faith? Is it that I have faith or is it that I have God? Is that I have faith or I believe God is so good? Is that I have faith or him in whom I believe is faithful? Let me give you a little illustration. So I used to, when my kids were smaller, I used to, you know, they'd be up on something and I'd say, jump and I'll catch you. Jump and I'll catch you, right? Well, they would trust me. Actually, they all trusted me until I dropped one of them. <laughs> Where's Brandon? Pay attention, Brandon. Don't drop you. Don't drop her. Um, well, I thought, you know, I, I can't miss. You can't miss. But I guess I slipped or something one time. <laughs> so she used to let me catch her because she trusted me which in one case was a bad, bad choice, but most of the time it's pretty good. So she, she trusted me to catch her, so I'd say, Evie, Evie, jump, and she'd jump and I would catch her. So would you say that trust caught Evie or that faith caught Evie or that I caught Evie? It's not a trick question. I caught Evie. She trusted in me to catch her. She had faith in me to catch her. But she had faith in me. She believed in my ability to catch her. My willingness to catch her. My strength to catch her. My power to catch her. My wisdom to catch her. My word that I said, jump in, I will catch you. She believed according to what I spoke, what I said. So sometimes I think we kind of make a mistake because we say, well, uh, you know, we misplace our faith. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in God. Faith is always looking to God. Like, think of my ability to catch my children. I think all the time, except for maybe one, I, I did catch them. I, I tried, but I slipped, you know. They slipped. They weren't injured. They're still fine. And uh, they were just like not as trusting after that. But remember Jesus said, if an earthly father knows how to do good things for his children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to do good things? In other words, if you could if we put it in the realm of healing, if you could just figure out that healing is a good thing, that it's good not to be stuck in bed, that it's good to be able to breathe through your nose, you know, have everything function properly, that it's good to not live with a headache, that it's good to be able to walk and not uh, fall, it's good to not have pain in your body, like just real basic, basic stuff. Is it, is it a, you know, is it a good day when everything in your body is functioning properly? When you have energy? When you have strength? Uh, when you can see clearly? When you can think clearly? Well, if, if, if you know how 
to do a good thing or to have a good thing, how much more does your Father in heaven? I mean, how many people, if you have children, if your children were to get sick, you're just like, that serves you right. I'm going to give you some more of that to teach you more. Like actually, you train your children. And you do everything you can to help your children heal up. You pray for them, believe God for them. If they need medicine or doctor help or whatever, you get that for them. Why? Because your will is them to be healthy and strong. Well, if your will is that, and you're just a reflection of the goodness that God himself is, then how much more? So in other words, if you would take any amount of money to help your children recover, if you would take time, if you would take effort, any resource that you have, how much more does he? So sometimes, I like T.L. Osborne, he said, the hardest work in the world is thinking. Just think, you have the mind of Christ. So I have found... This is a revelation because it sounds so simple. But I have found that my believing is so strong whenever I'm not involved in it. In other words, I say, wait a second. Wait a second, Lord. I'm not the one that said that I know how to do good things for my kids you're the one that said, I know how to do good things for my kids. I'm not the one that said, how much more would you do good things for my kids? You're the one that said that. So I tell the devil that, but then I remind the Lord, because he said, put me in remembrance. So I kind of get out of the picture and I say, this isn't even my thought or my plan. I like your thought. I like your plan. But you're the one that said this. And so, uh, and you're good, as much as my mind can comprehend, you're good, and as much as you've revealed to my spirit, you're good. In fact, Psalm 119, 68 says, you are good and you do good, and literally it means you are good and you only do good. And James said, every good gift comes down from above, from the father of darkness, no, the father of lights, with whom there is no varying or even a shadow of turning. How could there be a shadow? He's the father of light. <laughs> so, so if I kind of get uninvolved with it, like I'm not the focus of it, I'm like, well, well this is what you said. Uh, I didn't come up with this. F.F. Bosworth said, he wrote the book Christ the Healer. If you've never read it, you should read that book. That is a fabulous book. Um, but he said, when you want... What God wants, for the same reason that God wants it, you are invincible. When you want what God wants, for the same reason that he wants it, you're invincible. And so, why do we want that? Well, because that's the will of God. Think about... I don't know if I have time to go there. I'll go real quick. No, I'm going to go right here. For the sake of time. Uh, you know, I like to talk about A.B. Simpson, and so uh, I, I looked up his testimony again, or at least parts of it, and um, he didn't uh, grow up understanding that healing was part of the work of Christ in the work of redemption, but uh, he actually, when he was pastoring, he had a guy, or a mother, come to him, and her son was in the hospital. Uh, and in a coma, uh, and he was not born again. 
And so he went, uh, the mother said, what am I gonna, what am I, what am I gonna do? He's not, he's dying, he's in a coma, and he's not a Christian. And so A.B. Simpson prayed and said, Lord, he didn't believe in healing. He said, Lord, just help him to get better enough that he can hear the gospel and get born again so that he could, you know, die and go to heaven. And so while he's in the room, after he prayed this, that boy woke up and he recovered fully and was healed. So this kind of was like gnawing at him while he's preaching all this and then a bunch of people in his church started getting healed by the power of God. And he's like, what is going on? So he was up in uh, uh, Maine on a vacation and uh, he's like, I I'm going to figure this out. So he went for about two weeks and he studied the scriptures and he went over every scripture about healing and he said, at the end of that time, he said, I have come to realize and come to see that healing is just as much of the work of Christ as salvation for the spirit of the soul. And he said, I this day take Jesus as my healer as I've already taken him as my Lord. Now he said in his, you can look this up, you can see in his own writing, like I don't know if it's handwriting, but it's typed out. Um, you can see in his own words, he said, whether my body felt any different at that moment, I know I didn't care because God had it in his hand. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you see, he had substance for his faith because he had faith, so he had substance. So he didn't just have hope, like, I hope my body's going to change. He had major heart uh, problems. In fact, the doctor had told him, you only have six months to live. And he would preach, and then take him all week to recover to preach the next week. Like, not a midweek service, just a Sunday service. And um, so he was going the wrong way. And uh, let me get back to my notes. So two days later, after he, he made this confession, his commitment, it says he was invited to preach in a church, and he attempted to preach a sermon of his own choosing and was unable to do so. He knew the Lord wanted him to testify of this new unveiling of truth. He recalled, God uh, did not as me, uh, didn't want me to testify of my feelings and ex experiences, but of Jesus and his faithfulness. I am sure he calls all who trust in him to testify before they experience his full blessing. He said, testifying, uh, I believe I should have lost my healing if I had waited until I felt it. He said, testifying of his healing probably did him more good than it did for any of the people that heard him. He believed he was healed because he took Jesus as healer and testified to it before it was manifested in his body. So he saw this in the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. All of a sudden he saw this. He's like, wait a second. This is mine. And I receive it right now. I receive him, my healer, right now. But then like two days later, like, like, uh, he's, he's preaching. And he's like, I'm not going to preach on that. The Lord said, no, no, you need to preach on that. In other words, you need to confess. Jesus said, if you don't even confess me before men, I'm not going to confess you before my heavenly Father. So then he confessed it in the message. And then they said, the next day they said, hey, let's go climb this mountain, a 3,000 foot high mountain. So he started to climb the mountain and he said, I was surprised that he felt as bad and had as little strength as what he did when he started. Because he knew, like, God's got this. I, I give it to him. Uh, uh, he said, but over against my weakness and my suffering as I hiked up the mountain, I became conscious that there was another presence. There was a divine strength that reached out to me. And that if I would have it, take it, claim it, hold it, and persevere in it, it would affect me. He said, I, I pressed closer and closer to the bosom 
of that presence. In other words, in my heart, I'm like drawn into that. So the Lord will lead you and guide you. He, he led him and guide him, and he saw in the word, this is how it was about healing. And then he's hiking. Really, you could kind of not notice it if you're so not looking, not turning your heart towards the Lord. And he said, every step, he seemed to get, the, the closeness seemed stronger, and he got stronger until he reached the top. And he said, it was like I entered into the gates of heaven. But the point I want you to get from that is, faith is the substance. So he had substance. Uh, remember when Peter walked on water and then he didn't and then Jesus said oh you have little faith and uh, the disciples uh, reasoned among themselves um, when Jesus uh, Matthew 16 5 through 12 when the disciples were come to the other side they had forgotten to take bread then Jesus said to them take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they responded among themselves, saying, Is it because that we have taken no bread? Uh, which, when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have bought no, brought no bread? Do you not understand, nor remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves and the 4,000, how many baskets you took up? He's like, y'all are thinking about the food, and I've already demonstrated the power of God in relation to lack of food and you're reasoning among yourselves like oh we forgot the bread so he's rebuking us because we forgot the bread like the yeast be careful the yeast of the Pharisees you've never been like that just thinking all natural and the Lord's oh, I'm glad you don't have to deal with that he said don't you understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? Or the seven loaves and the 4,000, how many baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spoke it not to you concerning the bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood how uh, he bid them not to beware of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. But Jesus said, O oh, you of little faith. In both of those cases, with Peter, when he saw the wind and the storms and he began to sink and Jesus reached out and saved him. So just don't think if you start out in faith that you're, maybe you might be imperfect. But even if you are, Jesus just reach out and pick you up. Remember? He's good. He's gooder than you would be. <laughs> I know I said it wrong. But that, that word, oh, you of little faith, I looked it up. And literally, if you look in Vines, it says the literal, literal translation of that, if you just literally translated it as it's written, it says little of faith. Not of little faith, but a little, in other words, Peter, you walked out on that water. You grabbed hold of a, of, a, of a little of faith. Just grab hold of a lot of faith. He said to the disciples, you're little of faith. Like, you know, with the five, the, the, the loaves, the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 7,000, you acted in a little faith, but you can actually enter into the fullness of faith. So you had like a little substance, and Peter is probably the best example of that because he walked on the water, what? A little So A.B. Simpson, you know, he just responded to what the Lord said. And what? Then he got strength upon strength upon strength. Faith is the weightiness of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith is the substance. So when you're believing God, you're full of joy. There is joy in believing. So you're not worried. You're not stressed out. Actually, faith's not even in a hurry. Faith does not make haste, the Bible says. He that believes has entered into rest. Why? Because you actually have it. And you know that you have it. I think I mentioned this Wednesday night, but Brother Hagen, when he was, had the three incurable diseases and was paralyzed, and uh, he acted through what he had uh, seen in the Word, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, and the Spirit of God said, get up. If you believe that's true, get up, because well people should be up at this time of the morning. He says, so I grabbed my, my legs, because they were paralyzed, and I grabbed the pant legs, and I, they flopped, and he said they, they hit the ground like two logs, because they had no life in them, no strength in them. He said, I, I actually reached and I grabbed onto the bedpost, and I had to hold onto the bedpost to hold me up. But the whole time he's saying, Lord, I thank you that I am healed. I thank you that I am whole. I thank you that I have strength in my body. He said, it really, I didn't expect it to happen as fast as it did. He said it took about 10 minutes, and he was up, standing upright. after would be paralyzed for like a year and a half. But he said, the whole time when I'm thanking the Lord because I believe I have received. He said, there are thoughts in my head saying, what are you doing? You're going to die. This isn't going to work. You know you're not healed. You know you can't have it. But he had something greater than that. He had substance. He knew that he knew this is what it was. Why? Well, because I come from God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The only reason you can have faith is because God already spoke it. <laughs> as soon as God spoke it, then you can receive what he said. And there is great substance there. There is so much substance that when every other form of communication besides the spirit of God and the word of God is contrary to your hopes... You have a solid substance to your hope, which is what God has said. Yeah, but God said, I'll have what I say. God said, whatever I desire, when I pray, if I believe I receive it, I will have it. And he said, I believe I have received healing. For the incurable blood disease, for the paralyzed legs, and whatever else, I don't remember what else he had. And so then all of a sudden he said, like, warm honey hit his head, kind of oozed down his body. By the time I got to the bottom, he was standing upright. Faith is the substance. Stand with me, please. So I trust the Lord that this has been an encouraging series to you. So uh, hope is not a bad thing. But hope will not bring you what the life and sacrifice of Christ paid for you to get. So maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe it's financial provision. Maybe it's mental freedom. Hope will cause you to reach out to God with the desire for that to be in your life. But faith is the substance. And so... How do you know if, if uh, you're acting in faith? Well, you have what you're believing for. It's bound to show up. But actually, you have something that's more solid than the physical object or the physical change. You have faith. It's more real. Because faith will change the seen realm. Faith will affect what you see. You'll get rid of things that don't belong and bring things that do belong. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if I found myself when I thought I was believing, but I'm not sure, like if I prayed, uh, I wonder if that worked. That didn't work. Because what I'm saying is when I pray, like 
Oh, I sure hope that worked. I sure hope, oh, I sure hope God heard me. I sure hope that's over. Well, it didn't, and he, and, you know, he did hear you, but it didn't work because you're just hoping. So faith is believing, and um, there is substance there. It's tangible. You know that you know, and you know that you know that you know. You're aware that you know because faith is the substance. So if you find yourself in a place of where you're hoping something, but you don't have the, whew, I'm glad that's over with. I'm glad that's taken care of. Well, don't throw away your confidence. What do you do? Faith comes by hearing. So just go with me and say like, wait a second. God's a good God, has a good plan. He's not trying to keep this stuff from me. Actually, do you know how valuable you are? Do you know how valuable, how important it is to God that you are healthy, that you are healed, that you are whole? and delivered in every part of your life? Do you know how much I paid last week to fill up the truck with diesel? <laughs> how they value diesel right now? Things are precious because there's not a lot of them or because of the, the cost that they have. So if I said, you know what, I'm gonna fill up your gas tank for you. I'm just going to bless you and fill up your gas tank. It's going to mean more to you now than it did a year and a half ago. Double or triple. How important is your health to God? It's just as important as the life, the sacrifice, the pain that Jesus Christ himself bore in his own body on the tree. God loves you that much. You know, if you were the only one, Jesus would have died for you. He would have given his life, gone through the torment, the anguish, the separation for just you. God loves you. He values your eternal life, your physical life, your mental stability, your, your uh, financial provision. Because Jesus actually became a curse for us. So you see, you're extremely valuable. And God loves you. And uh, he wants you to have his very, very best. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're with us this morning online or in person and you have never given your life to Jesus, God loves you. He has an awesome plan for your life. Maybe you don't know that. The gospel is good news. It's the best life you could ever live. A life given to Jesus. There is a wide place to live. There are wide places to put your feet when you're a believer. You don't have to worry like, oh, I'm going to take a misstep and, you know, God's going to get mad at me. God's not going to get mad at you. God loves you. He's already made provision for you. If you, get, you might get mad at God, but he won't get mad at you. <laughs> you might curse God, but he won't curse you. You might forget God, but he won't forget you. You might neglect God, but he won't neglect you. You might not know which to, way to go, but he knows the way to go. He's already walked the path. He's already made the provision. He, he wants you to have all of him and all of his goodness the only way you get that is to receive his son jesus christ and everything that he did and every good thing that you experience in life is actually a measure of what jesus did i'm going to pray a prayer right now and when i do i want you to pray with me if you'd like to turn your life over to god through jesus christ through receiving christ the bible says if you confess with your mouth the lordship of jesus and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved Save means you're delivered and you are preserved and you are changed. We're going to pray this prayer with those that would like to receive Christ. And if you need deliverance in any area of your life, physical, financial, emotional, mental, we are just going to declare Jesus is our Lord. And when we do, let that be a point of contact that you say, that's right, I believe what God did, I believe what he said. 
because of what he did and what he said, we'll just command everything in our bodies, our finances, and our minds to come in line with the word in the name of Jesus. If you'd like to receive Jesus, I'd like you to say this after me. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins, to heal me, to deliver me, to restore my mind, to restore my soul. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. You are my Savior. Thank you for delivering me from the devil, from my past, from sins, from sickness, from mental oppression, from financial lack. Thank you that you are my Lord of every part of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I pray for every one of us. Father, open our eyes that we wouldn't live short of what you have provided for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the substance that we have when we receive your word, that we have solid ground to stand on. It's not fake, it's not just hope, but it is solid, the most solid and firm foundation, that it is an eternal foundation because it is from your word. Father, we thank you for your will and your love for every one of us. May we not live one moment or one blessing short of what Jesus bought and paid for. In Jesus' name we pray.